Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. It's not Friday morning right now? No, it's not Friday morning. It's Thursday. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be off tomorrow, though, for Good Friday. Hope everybody has a nice Easter and a good weekend. We're going to be off for Good Friday, awesome Saturday, and Easter Sunday. And we will be back on Monday. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Delgado had a very busy day. What did you do today? Uh, I worked. (laughs) And <laughs> no, and then I made a uh, made a visit to my old pal Anthony Cumia on his show on the Compound Media Network, his oh, own network. If people who don't know Anthony Cumia would be the Anthony of Opie and Anthony, correct? Who were on um, WNEW in New York for many years, and then uh, we went national through syndication, and then of course everything crashed, and then they ended up. I left. When uh, everything crashed, I had to go find work because I didn't have a huge contract. Damn it. Um, But they ended up on uh, XM Radio for many years. And then a few years back, he uh, he, he made a mistake and got fired, but started his own network. (laughs) Yeah. What was the mistake he made? Um, He called a woman an animal. Okay. Because she attacked him. That's not good. Um, well, he was one of the first to go to the OTT subscription base, which is a tough model, but he's he's made it work, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, it was one of those things where him, uh, one of the guys from the old ONA show, Keith the Cop, who, who you know, kind of rousted him off his couch, said, "Hey, let's get this thing rolling," and he hasn't looked back since. It started off in his basement, and it morphed into now he's got a full fledged studio. In New York City with, uh, you know, a full slate of, uh, of other shows on his network. And yeah. bulletproof glass. And bulletproof gra- And a four-day work week. Oh, that's nice. There you go. Rick Amrati's going to have some sports. How are you, sir? Hey, Big D. I'm looking forward to being back Monday night for March Madness. We'll have the live in-action scores. And, uh, hey, opening day in baseball. we got a lot to talk about. Okay, that'll be the national championship game between Baylor and Gonzaga. We'll cover that well <laughs> yes, on Monday night. Um, hey, hey, what are you going to do if it's not them? Well, I'll be here Tuesday then. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul will be sitting there Monday going, Where, where's my money? Yes, Paul will yeah. be here. Paul and Rick will do the yep. show in their glory if it's not them. There's no way. It's at least one of them. All i got to do is get one of them to the house. That's it. Yeah, the odds on Gonzaga. I have them in the report tonight. It's unbelievably overwhelming. That you know what the win. biggest problem is? If if you know, we know Gonzaga is going to win. If Do we? Baylor, yes. If if Baylor, you know, doesn't win, they there's no way Houston can beat Gonzaga, but Baylor can. So it doesn't yeah. matter. So no matter what happens, Gonzaga wins or Baylor, and then we're both there, and we got to hear the Mr. Blowhard over here. If, if bl- Baylor and Gonzaga, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if we have Baylor Gonzaga Monday night, the two of you might want to take the night off. I'm just saying. Now I well, might have to listen, take the night off too. If we got us moving. We got a lot of followers out west that are holding out hope for the Bruins. You never know. Mick Cronin, Cronin can do it. Cronin. Yeah. Well, that's, they could. They'd be the only number 11 seed to ever win a Final Four game. Where's Gonzaga located? Cali. Yeah. Yes, I know. The, no, no, they're Washington no, State. No, Washington. 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 Yeah. yeah. All right. Right, right. Hey, Damon, remember, what's up? Paul's catchphrase on this show again? Well, well, well. 
I know. <laughs> <I'll> be, <laughs> believe me, I'll start Monday show. And by with the that, way, so. that was only one time, and it made it on a T-shirt. So yes, and I'll wear that. Sold two of. I will wear that shirt Monday night. Oh uh, please! So let me don't. take this. Let me if take. If you do that, it's over. We're gonna fight right here on. Well, all right. I'm gonna get thrown across the studio <laughs> by a bear. Let me uh, congratulate Dr. Gene Loudon on her very fine interview with uh, Donald Trump tonight, President Trump. Was on with Dr. Gina. I hope you all watched it as I told you to. <clears throat> Appointment television it was at 7 o'clock. And it was fantastic. Some questions. I don't think I've ever heard um, the president address about being a dad, raising his kids. That mm-hmm. was fantastic. My favorite part of it is when he, when he trashed the, uh, the leadership in the Republican Party and the losers. Um, Karl Rove. <laughs> because it's, it's hard to argue with that. It's he hard to him. argue with Mitch McConnell. Uh, just pathetic. Uh, and ben, the Ben Sasses, Kinzingers, Collins. Mm-hmm. We talk about them every night, the usual suspects. Line them up. And um, it's not lo- clearly not lost on the, on the president of the Republican leadership. And, and by the way, he said, say what you will about, the, and we say it all the time, yep. say what you will about the Democrats, but what happens? They link arms. They never, ever break ranks. And they, they get to the goal. And if they have to rummage through the store and burn it down or whatever they got to do to get through it, to get to the other side, they do. But it's easy to get to the goal when you have the media and like 90% of these monstrosities just supporting every word they say. It's like they have their own endless propaganda team to support their stupidity. Uh, That's true. But you see a lot more defection in the Republican Party when it comes to legislation, when it comes to certain things you never see. Could you think of one person, is there one person in the Democratic Party that would step up on this infrastructure bill and say, well, you know, not a lot of this is infrastructure? Of course not. No way. You're right. Is there one that will say, well, not a lot of this COVID relief is not really COVID relief? No. <laughs> is there anyone who steps up and says, you know, these economics only work until they don't. We're going to bankrupt our kids, our grandkids. There, No. You never have a voice whether you want to call it a voice of reason, a voice on their own, nothing. It's just Pelosi runs that ship like hammer down, don't dare think about crossing me. And Schumer's the same way in the Senate. And the whole party is just fall in line, conformity, fall in line, conformity. There's no, no difference of thought, nothing. It's conformity or it's, we'll, we're, we're, they'll be on the attack. We'll attack you. So, but I thought the president was great. I thought Dr. Gina was great. There was a lot of good stuff that came out of it. She did ask him if he would run. I don't know. I think four years is a long time. I think he's going to look back. I don't know what it would take for him to run. I think he'll kind of survey the situation, see who the possibilities are. Well, see what happens in the midterms. Yeah, and, and I think he made an interesting statement when he was talking about that. He, he said because, you know, the two, and if you haven't seen it, I'm sure they're going to replay it. Um, but he said the two things he had to worry about was, of course, you know, taking care of the country, protecting the people. That was, that was number one. And the second part kind of surprised me, but it kind of made sense. And he said the second part was surviving. He goes, because you had five years of these fake investigations the media always attacking you, attacking your family. And, and it, you know, and it, it, it kind of gives you that insight. It's like, look, yeah, he was taking incoming from all sides while trying to do the hardest job probably in the world. 
Yeah, and unlike this one, the current administration, he was actually doing the job, calling the shots, coming up with the direction. He was actually the boss. He was actually the one calling the shots. Unlike this, who's not calling the shots, who doesn't, I don't know if most days he knows, I guess he knows where he is, but I don't know. No, they pack him an overnight bag and put him on a plane. Here you go. Try not to trip up the stairs. Yeah. So, uh, so I thought the interview was great. And the president sounded good, sounds enthusiastic, sounds like he's, um, well, John Solomon said it best. I mean, I go back to that quote. I mean, we should pull that geo as a clip uh, on its own standalone clip. What did he, John Solomon said to me, uh, Donald Trump doesn't need to be on the ballot in 2024 or 2022 or 2024 to be the opponent. He said, remember when he said that? I said, man, I've never heard it said that way. He doesn't have to be on the ballot to still be the guy you're running against. Right. Technically. And boy, I thought that was well said. Yeah. And he was on the show too. He he was the appetizer. And then uh, she served up a a little uh, dessert with Corey Lewandowski afterwards. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw the pres- I saw a little bit of Solomon. I saw all of the president. And it was fantastic. So if you didn't see it, I'm sure it's on all. So well, no, it's not on all social media. Of course, because <laughs> social media is a bunch of tyrants. Right. But it's certainly on Real America's Voice, America's Voice News. You can go there. It'll, be- it'll certainly be there. Um, and we'll tell you where it's at when it's there. We'll link to it on all. Well, I wonder if we can even link to it on social media. Well, I probably can. I noticed that Real America's Voice got away with posting a couple of the audio clips, which wasn't good. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, if you didn't see it, we'll point it out to where it is. So, but she was great and he was great. So, uh, all right. So I, there's only one place I can start tonight because I saw this clip and I, I played it for Paul about four times because I just couldn't believe what I was listening to. This is um, cut 40, G. I don't even want to set it up. I just want to play it. And just, this is, this is a doctor. All right, play it. My main concern is that we're not going to reach herd immunity because of vaccine hesitancy. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe who desperately want the vaccine right now. And they're thinking, oh, well, it's just a small percentage of people who are actually anti-vaxxers. And that's true. There is the anti-science, anti-vaxxer contingent. But I think that there are many more people, millions of people who, for whatever reason, have concerns about the vaccine, who just don't know what's in it for them. And we need to make it clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway and i fear a situation of coming into the fall where we never reach herd immunity and then we get hit by the next surge of 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 covid19 in the fall something that we could have prevented if we just got people vaccinated now all right stop it here's my concern all right so here's she because i know most of you believe that that maybe that clip is not even real i found her again saying the same thing to the Washington Post that we'll get to in a second. But um, huh. have you seen that, Rick? No, that's the first I saw of it. And man, is she disturbing. Extortion. So the Biden administration better come out quick and tie this to people's freedoms 
or else they're just going to go and enjoy them anyway without it. I mean, that's tyranny right there in front of you. Yeah. Is her last name she? I'm, no, I'm it's when. Um, but and and she has the word doctor in front of her name, which is scary in itself. And she, oh, wow. I, think, I believe so, she teaches at Georgetown University, which so is also Biden. scary. Now, do you think she's just that um, pro-vax? By the way, let's squeeze it back. The way she frames it, anti-vaxxers. This is so sad because I'll be the first one to say that if I know a vaccine's 100% safe, with, let's just say 99.9% safe, I'm down at the clown, bruh. As long as I get the, I'm free to choose, I'm all in. I'll voluntarily take it. But we don't know how safe it is. So how am I an anti-vaxxer? Because I'd rather wait. And I'd rather trust my immune system that has served me so well for 53 years. I mean, I have to be punished because some guy who eats Taco Bell three times a day and is addicted to 12 pounds of sugar is afraid to go into a ballpark to eat his 23 hot dogs. I have to feel bad that I'm, I'm, the, I'm the bad guy here? How sick is this? What okay, world hold, are we in? Hold your thoughts. We're going to play it again when we come back, and I'll Sorry. also play for you the second part Sorry. of the Washington Post, and then we will uh, get into this. Live from Studio 6 Speed, just getting started. Sorry about that. On a Thursday night. Lots to do. Press briefing today. We're in the briefing room. We'll show you some of the clips out of there. A couple crazy towns. Glad you're in on a Thursday. from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Thursday night. Paul Nolan's going to have some news. We've got lots to do. Rick Delgado's here. Uh, Rick Emirati's going to have sports. Geo Fran holding it down as well. All right, so let's get back to this clip because this is um, really quite unbelievable. i got a lot of stuff to talk about on the pandemic tonight. We've got this clip. I've got a great uh, article by Horowitz on vaccine passports and the fight that's coming with that. Uh, I got a good thing from Victoria Taft and PJ Media about Joe Biden's vaccine passport. Sounds like the precursor to China's social credit score. Here's how China's plans work. Uh, Rand Paul humiliating Dr. Fauci again, which I always like. Speaking of Dr. Fauci, I've got a crazy town tonight that's almost unbelievable. How out of, I mean, it's just, let's do that, G. Give me the, uh, give me the crazy town um, Fauci, Fauci deal. Roll that. Let's look at this. This is Ava Perone. Well, I mean, this is what we're seeing. I think, what, 43 states across the country. We have got um, Republican legislation that's moving to make it harder for people to vote. We just came through a historic, free, fair, full election. There were no, there was not fraud the way that this big lie perpetuated and fed into people's anxieties and inspired the unthinkable on January 6th. Or what the hell the is over her shoulder? We saw some of that happen here in Michigan earlier. But the, the fact of the matter is these are, this is a solution in search of a problem. Sunshine's on Erie Fauci. unacceptable. And so uh, if, if and when those bills get to my desk and they're aimed to make it a Look at that vote, pillow. They will uh, get beat <laughs> She's just talking. Hey, hey, Gov, less talky, more shut up. So now this is the uh, this is Ava Perone there, the governor of Michigan, who 
if you remember, had the um, had the numbers. Remember, she was accused of have placing those. Um, yeah, DT eight six. Yeah, eighty six DT. Donald Trump eight six Donald Trump uh, in the blocks there. Mm-hmm. Now she's got a Fauci pillow. That is a that is a Doctor Fauci pillow over her shoulder. You think he's trying to take on Mike Lindell? Well, I don't know, but if that's not crazy town right there, I mean, who has a Dr. Fauci pillow in their office? Uh, Me. I throw darts at it. I mean, that's unbelievable. Hey, speaking of Dr. Fauci, um, I'd love to have him on the show. I don't know him, but Steve Dace has a new book out that takes Fauci out. As Joe Biden likes to say about Donald Trump, I like to take him out behind the woodshed or whatever he says, you know, meet him on the meet him on the baseball field there because he's a tough guy. Let me uh, ask you a question. If Steve were Dace odds- does that to Dr. Fauci in his new book I've heard. Really? I haven't read it yet. I got to read it. What would the fighting odds be on on Trump versus uh, Biden? Trump minus a million. It would be like Mike Tyson versus Stelgetti? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, the idea that Joe Biden's... I mean, come on. But anyway, Steve Dace's new book takes Dr. Fauci supposedly and just runs him through the mill. And I can't encourage you enough to... Well, I'm going to get it and read it for you. But uh, if, if that's the case, oh, my God, I can't wait to read it. Everybody who I've seen who's read it says, it's fantastic. <laughs> he just takes them to town. So, but I saw that. And I thought that was pretty uh, Fauci pillow. <laughs> and, and just front and center. Yeah, it's just, just, just throwing it right in your face. It's just strange. It's, it's almost cultish. Well, it, right? It's like she's trying to, like, you know, prove her, like, uh, her allegiance to the creepy club. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, both are right, but it's it, it is cultish almost. Yeah, yeah. The I Fauci. will take you to my master, Fauci. Yeah. One of our I, followers on Twitch, Joey GT sixty nine. It's a Fauci whoopee cushion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could. You know what? I was just saying to D, this chair's a little stiff. I need one of those Fauci cushions. Whoopee so cushion, I could, baby. Uh, just yeah. drop my. All right, let's get back to Dr. Wen. So let's play this again, G. Now I'm going to play both of them. This is her on with Chris Cuomo and then on with the Washington Post, just so you can see that this train of thought of hers, no matter what interview she does, it goes with her. Roll it. My main concern is that we're not going to reach herd immunity because of vaccine hesitancy. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe who desperately want the vaccine right now. And they're thinking, oh, well, it's just a small percentage of people who are actually anti-vaxxers. And that's true. There is the anti-science, anti-vaxxer contingent. But I think that there are many more people, millions of people who, for whatever reason, have concerns about the vaccine, who just don't know what's in it for them. And we need to make it clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these 
these freedoms that you have, because otherwise people are so going sick. to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. And I fear a situation of coming into look the at, fall where we never reach herd immunity. And then we get hit by the next surge of, of, of COVID-19 in the fall, something that we could have prevented if we just got people vaccinated now. Oh. Here's my concern about where we're headed from here. And again, I think that we do see the light at the end of the tunnel, that we are heading into a much better place. My concern is that the major barrier going forward is not supply or administration. Again, the Biden administration, I think, has done really good, a really good job in terms of increasing supply, increasing distribution of the vaccine. But I think that in the months to come, we're soon going to reach a point where the supply of the vaccine will catch up to the overwhelming demand that there is right now. And what will prevent us from reaching herd immunity is vaccine hesitancy. And my great concern is, as we're seeing states reopen in such large numbers now, and so many places, including my state here in Maryland, is now going to be open at 100% capacity, we're losing the narrow window of opportunity to tie vaccination status with reopening policy. And so when the CDC comes out and says, and again, I think this is a good thing, vaccinated people can see one another. They can see each other in informal social settings. I think, again, that's Thank a step in the right Lord. direction, but wow. I think we need to go a lot further and make sure that people understand that vaccination is the ticket back to pre-pandemic life. If we don't set that message right now, as reopening is happening soon, we're not going to have that carrot anymore. If everything is reopened, then people are going to say, well, what's in it for me? And I know that's hard for a lot of people to imagine because there are so many people who are doing anything to get a vaccine now. But very soon, those people will have vaccines. And I think that we make a mistake when we think about the vaccine hesitant as anti-vaxxers. Yes, there are some people in that category who don't, who are not sure about getting vaccines and who will never get a vaccine because they truly are anti-science and don't vaccinate their kids, for, for, for example. But I think we're neglecting a very large this segment of woman, the American population who have concerns about the vaccines that we have to address, but who also need to very clearly see the incentives. And we are missing that opportunity to present those incentives unless we can say very clearly now, masks and vaccines, that equals our ticket out of this. And we need to be really incentivizing people with the reason to get the vaccine. Wow. She I mean, is that's, a that's unbelievable. Straight up lunatic. That's one of those things we've seen. Man, they said the quiet part out loud. But that's why I went to see if I could find it in other places. She says it in multiple interviews. And the same words, the same verbiage. It's almost yeah. like she's rehearsed this numerous times to make sure she says it exactly the same way. You mean like a practice sales pitch? Right. Like, and, and what's really scary is, I wonder if anybody asked her the question, so what do you do with the ones that don't get vaccinated? I'm sure she's got an incredible plan for that. What do you do with the ones who think their freedoms don't come from, oh, I don't know, the government, or from you telling them, or Dr. Fauci, or um, this um, overreaching regulatory state? Yeah, do you just, you know, I don't know, segregate them, maybe put them on a train somewhere, keep them, keep them separate from what everybody else? What about scarlet else? letters? Would that work? Holy I mean, moly. Oh, they're going to enjoy these freedoms. What, we what have we to do? incentivize them. Yeah. I mean, put the grips in them like the mafia. You're not free unless you give us our money, our taste. We, we can't. They, we, the only way to get your freedoms back is to, I mean, fall in line. Be a good slave. We have to have a carrot. <laughs> Invite her on the show. Ooh. Do it. Yeah, but bring her in studio. Dare you people enjoy your freedoms. 
You don't get those back. You're only as free as I say you are. from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, and of course, uh, download the Real America's Voice app in the iOS store, Android, uh, Google Play Store, Apple uh, iTunes Store, whatever the hell they call it, Uh, and of course, you can go online, americasvoice.news, sign up and uh, like, follow all social media, follow us as well, LFS6B on Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Rumble. Uh, we're on YouTube as well, and we're on Instagram, LFS6B Show. Make sure you visit our friends at MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B, 66% off. They've got great stuff, pillows, towels, sheets, whatever you want. Tim? LFS6B, support Mike Lindell, support the country, supports the show, live from Studio 6B as well. 66% off when you use the code LFS6B on your order. Um, all right, Daniel Horowitz has a piece that I've been wanting to get to for a couple nights here about vaccine passports as this thing picks up steam. And he's, he's entitled The Coming Death Match Against Vaccine Passports in the United States. He said, uh, quote, last year, I warned you of the following, quote, remember, these governors are just getting warmed up. We're only two weeks into this phase. This was back when we first started. At this pace, if we don't rise up and demand answers, there is no limit to what these politicians might do with their divine right of kings. It's appalling that Congress and state legislatures are in recess indefinitely as random executives from governors and mayors to county supervisors and sheriffs rule the nation by fiat. That was a year ago. Well, here we are 12 months later, and indeed, these governors in most states have regulated every part of our lives, liberty, and property with no end in sight. Very few legislatures have stepped up to the plate to roll back these powers and prevent future abuses in any meaningful way. Now, as the cherry on top of the tyranny cake The federal government is threatening to require vaccine passports to live life and access goods, services, leisure, and travel. With most state legislatures in their final days or weeks of the legislative sessions, this will be the final straw to force them, will this be the final straw to force them back onto the playing field? Our American Revolution was created through the committees of correspondence among the colonies whose members were chosen from state legislatures. State legislators are the final line of defense between the citizens and a a tyrannical government because they are the smallest unit of elected representatives who live among their constituents. Particularly in the 31 states where Republicans control the legislative bodies, many of them with supermajorities, they have the power to permanently end COVID fascism and prohibit all federal tyranny from taking root in the states. Florida 
is lucky enough to have a governor who has promised to fight any federal vaccine passport via executive order. Quote, it's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in a normal society. End quote. Governor Ron DeSantis said on Monday in response to reports that the Biden administration was gearing up to create such a system. DeSantis further called upon the Florida legislature to pass such legislation. In other states, it is the legislatures who will have to take the initiative because they have weak or corrupt governors who don't believe in constitutional rights. The problem is that most legislatures are already past their deadline to offer new legislation, and many of them will be out of session within days. Constituents should flood the lines of their House and Senate leaders and demand they make a special rule change to pass vital legislation criminalizing any entity that operates within the state and adopts a vaccine passport policy. The legislative filing deadline is not etched in most state constitutions and should not be used as an excuse to shirk fighting federal tyranny. Moreover, most state legislatures have not fully completed their budgets yet. There is no place to insert, um, there is no better place to insert such a provision than in a budget bill, which would force the government to choose between fighting Biden on vaccine passports and risking a shutdown of the state government. Legislators have the power to make laws and the power over the purse two powers that the executives have recently usurped. It's time they used the power of the purse to also legislate against the worst tyranny maybe in our history. The New Hampshire House has effectively done this against Rhino Governor Chris Sununu. Last week, the House Finance Committee included a provision in the budget that would require affirmative support from the legislature for any emergency declared by the governor to continue beyond 21 days. The bill also cuts funding for health departments, zeroes out any COVID fines collected, and places the legislature in charge of all emergency funds. Incidentally, the New Hampshire Republican leadership also included the bill banning critical race theory in government agencies and schools, a bill that the governor threatened to veto when it was a standalone piece of legislation. While Republicans lack a veto-proof majority in New Hampshire, it would be a risky move for the governor to veto the entire budget over just a few issues. The New Hampshire model should serve as an example for other states as well. It's not too late to fight for freedom in your budget. Several states, such as Oklahoma and North Dakota, are also considering legislation to nullify all unconstitutional federal edicts. Those bills will easily cover vaccine passports and should be mimicked in every GOP-controlled legislature. States should also consider, consider barring state contracts with any company that discriminates against those who do not hold a vaccine passport. The Idaho House passed HB 140, which does exactly that. But it is currently being held up in the Senate. The ADA is crystal clear about prohibiting any discrimination against individuals based on their medical choices. 
Why should COVID fascism be one carve out from what is generally a very cumbersome and, and um, uh, set of anti-discrimination and public accommodation laws? One year after the revolution of the CDC and state health departments controlling our lives, it's time to return our states to a Republican form of government. Uh, as Tent Cox observed of the newly crafted Constitution in 1787, the United States guaranteed to every state in the Union a separate Republican form of government. From thence it follows that any man or body of men, however rich or powerful, who shall make an alteration in the form of government of any state, whereby the powers thereof shall be attempted to be taken out of the hands of the people at large, will stand guilty of high treason. It's time to place the liberties of our country back in the hands of the people at large. That means it's time for state legislators to fight for us or be voted out of office. Wow. What do you think of that? It was outstanding. When we've talked about this, that a lot of these things have to happen at these, at the state level, local levels. You have to start having representatives who actually take on and resemble and govern the will of the people that they represent. You shouldn't have sheriffs in red states with elected officials who are anti-mass mandate and, and, and pro-liberty going out and enforcing these kind of rules. But yet you do. So you have a disconnect as you go up the chain of um, elected officials in some of these places where you have Republican legislatures, Republican governors, but yet when you get down to some of these local level positions, they don't represent the ideals of the constituents they serve. And that's where some of this has got to change. But the problem is that state legislatures, a lot of these places are, are not too dissimilar to the Republicans on the, on the federal level. Mostly yeah. weak, mostly a lot of talk when, the, when they're in the cheap seats. And then when they get on the main stage, the lights hit them and they don't know what to do. Yeah, they all just want to get along. Can we all just get along? Can we all just, uh, uh, yeah, it's the same bird, left and right. There's no left and right. It's the same bird. They ju- they just want to get along. Hey, let's let's just do it. Hey, uh, what 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 could be the big deal? So you get so you have to do a passport. Ah, it's like having a license. Oh, really? Okay. Let's see where this leads. Yeah, it's going to lead to everything on your card. Yep. Well, the thing about the vaccine passports is is I heard um. I believe her name is Naomi Wolf. Have you seen her? Some of the things she's done. She's a I think she's pretty hardcore left, but she's been going on Tucker and she's been going on other places and she's sounding the alarm bell. She's saying, listen, even for me, this is, this is a bridge too far. You put something like this in place and uh, your medical history is just going to be the beginning of what's going to be attached to this. Think about what a corporate value it is for a second here. This now becomes very easy, right? Now, what if your insurance agent says, mm, no insurance for you? Yeah, you don't really fit what we're looking for. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just think about if, the, if all of your metal records are so open to the point where it gets worse and worse. Maybe, you, you know, your car, you know, I, 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 it just from a corporate standpoint, it just seems like you're opening up Pandora's box where they could, you know, use things against you in such a way that, 
it could be very difficult for even to to get basic needs and necessities in, in my opinion what if i don't know well, i shouldn't this, go down that road well i feel like this is what they were trying this is this is what i feel the goal was with obamacare was get everybody on the same medical plan get all the information and then you have everything and then you can start you know kind of describe or, or or dishing out okay well you're too old yeah we're not really going to approve this for you and, and then they start cross-sharing information like you're talking about with insurance you know with car insurance and this company and that company next thing you know you can't you can't do anything right and this is this is i guess maybe maybe this is their back door to get the same same end result of you know absolute power to control the masses and say, okay, you can't go here. You have to stand in that line. You can't drink from that water fountain because that's where it's headed. It's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, progression backwards. Right. You said that better for me because I, you know, I I kind of uh, blew that. Thanks for clarifying that. But that's exactly, think about it. Like, what if you, what if like you say, "I, I don't want this. I don't want that. I do want, and what if it does affect, you know, really, Besides where you can go now, we're seeing if you don't get the vaccine, right, I can't go to concerts or, or sporting events. or Like my wife and I discussed right now, if we have to cancel the cruise we booked pre-COVID that now we're getting credits for, that it's time for us to book it. And now they're not going to let us on the boat without it. So I said, babe, I'm not going to just out of principle. I can't do it. And now our trip to Aruba that we just booked for a 50, you know, 40th birthday party for a friend. Aruba is now saying you might not be able to enter the country without the vaccine. So are they just going to beat us all down? That's the plan. I think that's the plan. from studio 6b on real america's voice and again it is a uh, i guess this is our friday night because we're not going to be here tomorrow night uh of course we'll have more damon will be back in just a moment paul's going to have more news and of course rick amorati's got sports uh rick how's that islander game going? No, don't you do oh, it boy. what Islanders are up six to four right now. Just looking for live score, step, Paulie. The, the window's <laughs> closing a little bit, but it's six segment four. with Homer Simpson voice. If you guys not have haven't heard Rick's Homer Simpson, it's yes. right on the money. It's not that good. <laughs> okay, so Major League Baseball opened up today, gentlemen. First day, first pitch. New York Yankees. That was the first game in the Bronx. And the Yankees fell 3-2 to two to the visiting Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, another upset today. The uh, quote-unquote favorite Los Angeles Dodgers fell 
8-5 to five to the Rockies also today in Colorado. So two big favorites, Yankees and Dodgers, 0-1. But it's early. Still got 161 games, so keep the faith. Um, in Detroit, a lot of snow in Detroit today as they took on the Tigers. And uh, the Tigers took on the Indians and won 3-2. to two. Uh, Brewers 6-5 to five over the Twins final. Pirates 5-3 to three over the Cubs final. Phillies 3-2 to two over the Braves. Uh, Rays sh- shut out the Marlins. one nothing in a pitcher's duel. Uh, Cardinals, we got a lot of Cardinals fans that watch the show. 11-6 to six over the Cincinnati Reds. My Reds didn't show up. 6 no, nothing in the first inning. Game over. And uh, Rockies, again, as I said, over the Dodgers, 8-5. Padres, 8-7 over the Diamondbacks. And Royals right now leading the Rangers 14-9. to nine. Uh, That's in the ninth inning. White Sox visit the Angels. Astros visit the Athletics. And Giants go out to Seattle to take on the Mariners. All those games are t- taking place a little after 10 o'clock tonight. And the Mets Nationals series uh, postponed uh, through at least tomorrow uh, due to COVID-19 concerns. This is from Zach Wasink and Yard Barker. Not to spend a lot of time on this, but fans of the New York Mets did not have a full 24 hours to celebrate the club agreeing to a long-term contract with four-time All-Star shortstop uh, Francisco Lindor. That was a big signing for the Mets earlier this morning. Mega contract, 10-year, $380 million. That's all? How's he going to get by? (laughs) (laughs) Food stamps. And uh, anyway, the Washington Nationals have confirmed that uh, they have had four positive tests, possibly a fifth one coming on board. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But the Mets did not get to play today uh, in New York. And uh, also, uh, as I said earlier, uh, Detroit. So anyway, Miguel Cabrera, he hit a home run uh, earlier in the game today. He hit his first home run of the 2021 season. It was snowing so bad that as the ball was sailing over right field fence, he made a head for second. He slid into second place. He didn't even know where the ball was. But uh, it was a home run, and, uh, of course, the Tigers went on to win. So good news for Detroit. And uh, round one of the Valero Texas Open in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, That's the uh, PGA. This is the warm-up before the Masters next week. And uh, this is a $7.7 million uh, prize here and, uh, you know, total prize. Camilo Villegas shot an 8-under 64 to lead the pack. And in second was Sung Kang, who shot a 6-under 66. And Jordan Spieth, a name we all know, shot a 5-under 67. But as I always tell you on Thursday, usually the guy on I tell you on Monday is not the person who won on Sunday. So keep an eye on that. See if any of those three are the top guy to win. And uh, NHL action right now, the New York Islanders, as we had mentioned, 6-4 <laughs> to four over the Capitals. Uh, that's uh, right at the uh, beginning of the third period, I believe. And uh, Lightning and Blue Jackets, 1-1 in the second. Penguins, 2-0 over the Bruins. Second, Canadians, 2 nothing over the Senators. Uh, in the second, Rangers and Sabres tied 1-1. Sabres on a hot streak. They won one in a row after losing 15 in a row. And uh, Red Wings over the... Pa- uh, right now, Red Wings and Panthers are tied 1-1. Excuse me. Stars and Predators 1-1 second. And Hurricanes over the Blackhawks 1-0. Moving along with the scores, NBA third quarter. Philadelphia 76 is up 81-69 over the Cavaliers. The Pistons lead the Wizards 80-64. The Nets looking good 68-48 over the Hornets. Uh, Pelicans lead the Magic 36-31. 
Warriors over the Heat, 26-25. Hawks and Spurs, 9-9 tied early first. Nuggets go out to the Staples Center, take on the Clippers at 10 p.m. tip. And Tom Brady teases MLB fans with an April Fool's Day tweet. He must have been in the same, uh, same mind frame as you today, Paul. Brady could have gone down the baseball path he wanted. This is by Ryan Gatos of Fox News. Tom Brady offered baseball fans in Montreal no help Thursday when he tweeted the return of the Expos on April Fool's Day. Brady was apparently in a joking spirit as MLB celebrated opening day. He tweeted a photo of himself at Olympic Stadium, old Olympic Stadium, and wrote that the Expos were going to return and he was going to be a part of the organization. Brady's tweet, and I quote, with opening day today, excited to announce we're bringing the Expos back to the MLB in 2022. Excited to be the first player, coach, owner in MLB history. Well, of course, that was a joke. Tom was having some fun. But, you know, indeed, back in the day, 1995, Tom Brady was an 18th round pick of the Expos. He was a left-handed power-hitting catcher, and uh, Expos had high hopes for him. They offered him a significant money tender for an 18th rounder. However, as we all know, he made a better decision, and he would go on uh, down the football path of glory by winning not one, not two, but six Lombardi trophy. So Tom got gave everybody a laugh. And just one more note, uh, a legend today, North Carolina Tar Heels basketball coach Roy Williams retired. This is from Blake Harper of Yard Barker, and this was all over the sports pages. After 33 years of coaching college basketball, Roy Williams is retiring. The University of North Carolina, the Tar Heels, announced on Thursday. Williams, who's 70 years old, is a living legend in the world of sports, having won three NCAA titles in his coaching career, as well as becoming the only coach in NCAA history to win 400 games with two different schools, 903 total, as he had successful tenures with both Kansas and North Carolina. In 2007, he was already uh, recognized and inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, and uh, this just uh, cements his legacy. So, Roy Williams, I guess it was a tough year for the Tar Heels, and he's decided, you know, time to move on. So, the league will definitely miss him, and uh, great coach, wanted to recognize him and uh, the fans in North Carolina. And that's Rapping Sports. All right. Well, thank you, Rick. And, uh, you know, speaking of sports, did you guys catch the uh, Joe Biden weighing in on Major League Baseball's All-Star game? Oh, my God. I think uh. we have that clip. So I think I think we're going we're gonna to do that clip later. That oh, was okay. outrageous. Out- we could do it now, Gio saying? Yeah. Roll it. Yeah. Well, we, do you want to set it up, Rick? Yeah. It's, uh, of course, uh, President Biden speaking out about the, uh, I guess, the voting um, law that's gone into effect in Georgia and what he'd like to see happen. He, he wants to support a move of the game. I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. Of People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened oh, God, across the board. President. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. Don't talk steroids in baseball. Yeah, imagine passing a law <laughs> idea. saying you cannot provide water or what? food for someone Liar. standing in line to that vote. That's a lie. Can't do that? No, Come you can't on. lie. Or you're going to close a polling place at 5 o'clock when working people just get off? This is all about keeping working folks and We're all off ordinary on folks day. that I grew up with from being able to vote. Yeah. Uh, two lies in that. The, the thing about the water, that's a lie. And the time is a lie. Voting yeah. is open till 7. And they have discretion, their own discretion, to keep it open later if they want.
And yep. most employees, employers let their employees leave on election day. I've never heard of a an, an employer not letting people leave on election day. Never heard that somebody had a problem voting. I've no. never heard that either, Paul. I no. agree. It's just it's you know, more gaslighting. Yeah, and, and and the fact that that you know they're threatening MLB and or MLB is threatening to pull the game. You know what? Uh, pull the game. Who cares? Yeah, it's an all star game. Let's Nobody see how cares. good your ratings are. Watch, right. <laughs> watch. Nobody Get watches woke. the all star game anymore. Right, you're a joke. That that's like watching the uh, that's like watching the uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, the paint NFL. on Damon's garage door dry. <laughs> right, or, or, or watching the All Star Game for football, whatever the hell right. that thing's called. Oh, the Pro I don't Bowl. Even watch that. The Pro yeah, Bowl. The yeah. Pro Bowl. Right. So there you go. So we're gonna uh, that that takes care of hour number one. Of course, coming back hour number two, and uh, make sure we've got more news with Paul, more sports with Rick later on in the hour, and of course, more with you guys. We'll, uh, we'll check out what you're saying on social media. In the meantime, stay there. We'll be right back. More live from Studio Six B on Real America's Voice. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Thursday night. Glad you're in Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul Nolan's going to have some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati will have more sports. Geofran holding it down as well. So uh, let's get into the press briefing room. A couple things um, that happened today. And I got a couple things I want to get into. Uh, who is this? This is what we had on the show. Victor Davis Hanson has a really good, for him, it's kind of a laid back article too. It's not, it's not, um, I can understand it. I could read it. Not too many big words. Uh, the 10, <laughs> the 10 radical new rules that are changing America. And it's really very good. But before I get to that, let's go. Uh, Peter Ducey today was in the br- press briefing room asking Jen Psaki, we talked yesterday. Paul wanted me to show this video. I didn't have time to grab it. And I, I don't know. Me and Paul are at odds about playing this video about these poor kids getting thrown over, off the wall. And your position is what? My position is uh, the media doesn't do its job. We have an obligation to the incredible audience that we have. It treats us like gold yep. to show them the truth. But we should probably maybe put a disclaimer on there that this is evil. It's pure evil. To abandon babies like this is something that the out from the core of your instincts should never happen. So the video, if you haven't seen it, is basically an infrared overhead. I don't know if it's a drone shot or if it's I'm not I'm not exactly sure what's where it's taken from. But you can clearly see a man scale the I guess it's a fence, uh, at some some part of the border. He scales the fence and he clearly takes two little kids. And he basically picks up from one side, and he, they just throw him down. You see from about 10 feet, they get thrown down onto the, the ground on the American side of the border. And the one, the one kid uh, lays there pretty lifeless for a while. I'm sure he's, I mean, it's just, I don't know. The first one to me looked like 
got hurt. How could you not? From 10, 12 feet in the air. Have knowing I have no idea what's going on. And is that rock along that board? Well, I would imagine it would be. I can't imagine right. fresh, fluffy grass in the desert on a newly constructed wall. Yeah. I would imagine there's all kinds of hard, jagged, rocky surfaces that that kid landed on. And then you see them, the, the, the guy falls, jumps back to the other side, and the two of them scurry up a hill. They just run like away. Like rats. They just run away. With, I mean, just run away. Knowing that they just left two, um, I don't know what age, infants, two, three-year-olds. Two and three. Toddlers. 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 On the other side of that wall in the, in the pitch black of night. So Jen Psaki was asked about this today. Cut 25, G, roll it. And then on immigration, has the White House considered beefing up border security now that there is video of a three-year-old and a five-year-old being thrown over the wall in New Mexico? Beefing up border security. I, well, there are, there's video now of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I've, I've seen the video, and I think any of us who saw the video um, were incredibly alarmed by uh, the steps of smugglers, ones that we have been quite familiar with, that we've spoken out about our concerns about. As Secretary Mayorkas said, the inhumane way smugglers abuse children while profiting off parents' desperation is criminal and morally reprehensible. Oh, the president okay. certainly agrees with that. And these kids, Jesus, I believe, were yeah, rescued from by, uh, by um, individuals who are working at the border. Yes, but they still got close enough, as you guys are talking about addressing root causes in the region, for a smuggler to throw them over a wall into the desert. And I'm just curious what the White House is doing to stop that from happening. And are you concerned more about the kids' safety, or are you concerned about kids getting in, or tell me more about your concern here? Kids' safety what is, is that as you just mentioned, the main concern. Well, of course it is, which is why I'm often surprised why some of the line of questioning in here. But uh, I will say that um, our concern and our focus disgusting. is on sending a clear message to smuggler to the region that uh, this is not the time to come. You should not send your kids on this treacherous journey, that these smugglers are uh, preying on vulnerabilities in these communities. There's a lot of issues and steps we need to take to address root causes. So of course our concern is for the safety of these kids. These Border Patrol agents who save these kids deserve our, uh, our thanks and our gratitude for ensuring their safety. You got to be kidding me she, with this. She does. She does uh, I was going to say that it's just somewhat repulsive that she has to read a statement on this and just can't talk from her heart, but she kind of did there a little bit more. But, I mean, it just, I don't know. The way she deflects There's, the question back. Yeah, right. but what is that? Yeah. That is just so lowbrow. Well, 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 what are you really concerned with? It's like, excuse you? I'm concerned what you're concerned with, so can you tell me what you're concerned with? Just uh, you got to play that game with her. Right. I mean, you, you guys are the one, you're, you're the administration in charge here. What, I'm asking the questions. Why don't you answer them? What are you doing? Why are you not beefing up security? Well, I think was his question. Wasn't that the yeah, question? That, that was the original question. Why are you allowing such inhumanity at the border when your entire team of liars completely grandstanded against our former president saying that he was evil and xenophobic. Could you explain to me why you guys get a pass and he didn't? It is amazing how they get a pass, right? When they're now in charge, it's like the vaccine. You know the the the, the Johnson and Johnson that Paul brought up, the vaccine. That this guy had this terrible, terrible reaction to it. Well, I mean, you can't have it both ways. I mean, if there starts to be more of these, 
Well, who are we blaming the former administration? We're, bl- we're blaming the former administration for the border. We're going to blame the former administration for the things that don't go well with the vaccines, but all the things that, that go well, we're taking credit for. Well, which one is it here? Because that's what I see when I look at all these issues. If it's bad, we're only 60 days out. We can still blame the other guy. But if it's somehow we can frame it as good, well, we'll just take the credit for it. And her, her arrogance in the briefing room with Peter Ducey on that question is, well, it's just that. It's arrogant. Well, what did you do? What is that? What kind of response is that? Kaylee McEnany ever did that? She'd be, she'd be filleted on every mainstream media report the whole night. I mean, this is what happens when you have a policy of we're not going to turn anybody away. It's just plain and simple. This is what surge the border looks like. What the candidate now president said in the debate. And they're doing nothing to prevent people from continuing to send these kids here or get these kids here in the hopes that after the kids are here, the parents will come and the chain migration starts. They know the policy. That's why it's happening. It's like the questioning in his press conference about from, oh, I'm just, oh, I'd like to think it's because I'm a nice guy. I mean, I mean, come on. It's, they, just, they just take you and me for just being imbeciles. Well, because they have the media on their side. They have everything on their side. The wind is at their back with garbage like this. Nobody's standing up to them. The, the most you get is a Peter Ducey, and even his questions aren't that tough. And you could tell he's kind of walking on eggshells because they probably threaten him if he, if he goes too far out of line. They're going to launch him. They're going to kick him out of there. So, you know, when you've, when you've got the entire deep state media uh, apparatus at your disposal, just kind of, you know, kind of eh, glancing things along, just pushing you along. Oh, this is great. This, don't, answer, don't ask any real questions. Just, woo, you guys are great. We love you. Woo. And it's always in the name of... Um... It's always in the name of empathy or it's in the name of some kind of better future. We gotta, it's always in the name of um, civil rights, if it's racist or not racist. or It's, it's an it's, emotional thing. It's always in the name of some higher cause or some higher power that uh, we're just too stupid to understand. Or because we didn't vote for Joe Biden, we're, we're the anti-human, um, I don't know. It's so, it's so aggravating. And it goes to Victor Davis Hanson's piece, by the way, of one of the 10 things, uh, as he says, that are the two radical rules that are literally changing America. And this whole border issue goes to number two, which is that laws are not necessarily binding anymore. He says, Joe Biden took an oath, as every president does, to, quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed. But he has willfully rendered federal immigration law null and void. Mm. And that's the, that's the, that's it. They love to talk about this. Immigration. And we're a melting pot and all this. Yes, okay. We're a nation of, no, we're a nation of citizens. We're a nation of citizens, and your first act as wanting to be here shouldn't be to break federal law. 
But that's never the discussion. It's always uh, because it's got to you 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 got to be more humane. You got to be this. They got to be that. That's somehow they're more. Uh, we had that story last week about the San Diego teachers. We didn't even, I don't think we even got to it. No, we didn't. About people saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just play this cut, G, cut 12 about San Diego teachers. Okay. Uh, I'd like to find out what the White House thinks about what's happening in San Diego, mm -hmm. where some public school teachers are providing in-person instruction at the San Diego Convention Center to migrant children before their own public school students. And these kids, of course, about 130,000 of them have been at home doing online learning for about a year now. So what does the White House think about that? Well, I know you guys have done a fair amount of reporting on this, so maybe you'll have more details. Uh, as I understand see, it, just public yeah. schools see, there are opening. Again. There what? she does it again. What? How did I miss this story? There she does it again. Completely condescending. When she knows that there is no reasonable answer that any human with an IQ of higher than 10 is going to accept because there is no answer. And there's no good answer. There's no bad. There's no answer to what they're to this story. That's the issue. That's why she pulls this nonsense when she knows she has no answer. The only answer that satisfies is to her radical base. But anybody else there is no good answer. Why teachers would be saying, oh, we can't go back to work. We can't do this. We can't do that. Because work cuts COVID. We got to have no glass. We got to have new seats. We got to have new ventilation. We got to have this. The union says this. The union says that. We can't do anything. Well, would you like? We have some, we have illegals who are, oh yeah, we'll go down there. Finish this, Jay. Go ahead. In early April. April 12th to hybrid learning. Okay. And students will be back in the classroom. And as I understand it, this is related part-time. Uh, and certainly, you know, our objective from the White House, opening oh. up five days a week, uh, majority of schools across the country. And uh, they're on spring break right now. And this is related to volunteering or being paid. I'm not even sure you'd have to ask the local school district during spring break for these migrant kids. Yes, yeah, so the San Diego County Supervisor, Jim Desmond, he says, you know, I think it's great that there's in-person learning for unaccompanied minors from Central America, but I wish every child in San Diego County was allowed the same opportunity for in-person teaching. So I guess the, the question is, you know, uh, does the White House think that this sends the right message to these 130,000 kids in San Diego and their parents who've been stuck at home for the last year. Well, I'm just saying that context is important. And these kids are going back to school uh, for hybrid learning. We, of course, want that to be five days a week, and we're confident we'll get there early next month. And I believe they're also on spring break right now. So these teachers are would be, I'm not sure if it's volunteer or paid. You'd have to ask the local school district. Um, I mean, do you... Do you Live from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. So um, Victor Davis Hansen has this piece, The Ten Radical New Rules That Are Changing America. Number one, this is one we've covered in a, our own way on the show, talking about cryptocurrency and talking about Bitcoin and talking about the Federal Reserve. But uh, number one is money is a construct. 
It can be created from thin air. Annual deficits and aggregate national debt no longer matter much. Prior presidents ran up huge annual deficits, but at least there were some concessions that the money was real and had to be paid back. Not now. As we near $30 trillion in national debt and 110% of annual GDP, our elites either believe that permanent zero interest rates make the cascading obligation irrelevant or that the larger the debt, the more likely we will be forced to address needed income redistribution. I'm not sure exactly which one of those I think more fits the bill. I think it's probably both. Yeah. I think they think the Fed is going to keep interest rates. I mean, when they talk about inflation, they don't even talk about things that inflation really affects. Um, it's hard not to have inflation when you talk about non-inflationary items. Well, and I think that's what they're counting on, that most people don't realize what they're doing. You know, they, they, they just say, hey, uh, doesn't seem to affect me too much yet. Yeah, I see the gas go up a little bit. Wait, it's coming. More of it is coming. Yeah. You'll feel it soon. When you go into the grocery store. Yep. You're going to see it. Yeah. And when you're you going to get it good. Corn and you start to see some of these commodities across the board. And then the printing is. Is just as bad. And, and by the way, it goes on both parties. I mean, I know there's some. I know there's some. Our friend Thomas Massey, who's been on the show, has always been fantastic. Uh, Dave Bratt, when he was in Congress, was always fantastic. Obviously, Rand Paul's dad were always fantastic about it. Ted Cruz is always good. And they're there. But, I mean, the Republicans, as I've told you for as long as I've done this show, Mitch McConnell, one of the many things you can just shake your head at is he's one of the great great debt creators the republican party's ever seen he's gotten his ass kicked around on the on the debt on the debt ceiling on these spending bills by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and a lot and Steny Hoyer and the like for years we never get anything the debt ceiling always gets extended it's not, i mean it's they they fake the talk about the government shutdown and all this nonsense. They make you believe the world's falling apart, and it's not. Never is. And and none of these things ever affect any of their paychecks. If it did, then then you'd see some real, then you'd see real action. But the the printing that's going on. This is why I, I, we talked yesterday briefly about the dollar showing strength. Only I guess because the rest of the world is printing maybe faster than we are but the fact that the dxy shows any strength recently is is beyond me but neither here nor there i don't think it lasts but the printing that's going on the uh, the spending we've done the, the the deficit spending we've done the trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars that we've printed and spent um and that we will continue to now in two million infrastructure maybe another two million uh, on the separate part of that package you you could see i saw an article the other day that um that idiot from massachusetts and is pushing a 10 trillion dollar package <laughs> and it's always well you know well, what's a few trillion amongst friends money's I mean. cheap the rates are low it's it's i mean it's Man. and it's it's what's funny like i'll never forget when 
I was watching an interview with Art Laffer, and I didn't understand how the money system worked then. And I remember just, you know, just talking about how they unhinged it from from the from gold in '71, and then how they removed in '64, I believe it was they removed silver quarters from '63, silver quarters from circulation, real silver. And then it was like, I think, 81, where they decided that no longer will a penny be made of copper or maybe a little bit later. I'm not, I can't remember. I have the, I'm getting old. But I remember when I, hear, I heard this, the guy said, wait a minute, we can't even let the people have a real penny. They can't even have a real penny. This is where we're going with this country. And I didn't understand it. And I had to look it up. And that was where it started for me realizing that our money is completely fake. And it's all on our back. It's just simply on the back of the goodwill of the American people, the hardworking will of the American people. And it's stunning to me that they get away with what they get away with. And everything, all the root of all the evil comes from the money system. And uh, I, it's, it's, it's scary because, you know, this cryptocurrency has this great potential to kind of liberate the world. But, you know, the government's going to make it absolute. And I shouldn't say the government, all governments, which I personally believe the bankers run governments. They have the money. Whoever is in debt is now enslaved to whoever holds the debt. Um, and I just think that all governments are going to get in line. And if you look through your history, every country that we've obliterated has had a banking system that was sovereign and then was replaced with an international monetary fund bank. And all those banks are all connected to the BIS, the IMF, right? And the Federal Reserve. And they're all intertwined with one another. And that's why, like, you know, when one system collapses, they're all going to go as a house of cards. When the U.S. goes, it will be a global. And they'll introduce the Great Reset like they did in 1913. And they'll have a new plan, a new system of money. And they'll swear it'll alleviate all the problems. And everybody will be fine. But it'll be digital. And whoever controls it will be able to control all commodities. We are headed down a very scary road. Well, not, not only that. Not only whoever uh, they control a commodity, they control you. Because guess what? Well, you are a commodity. But, but, but if you think you have, well, I have money in the bank. Guess what? They run the bank. If they want to take that money away from you, it's gone. Oh, yep. you did something wrong? Social credit? Ah, we fine you. And, and it's well, no yeah. longer, well, I got to send them a check. They just take. Yeah, there's no, there'll be no income tax, right? Like, they'll just be able to take what right. they want from their digital credits. Exactly. Wow. That's Scary where it's Scary times, man. It's just, it's total tyranny on its way. The business report here brought to you by Disney. <laughs> um, by the way, Disney owns us. And, and, you know, and Damon, back to something you said about Thomas Massey. Uh, he mentioned just a few weeks ago, I remember reading that the only reason he voted for the first stimulus package last year was because they said, if we do this, we won't have to do another one. And he goes, and here we are on, on what, a fourth one? It's ridiculous. Well, the only reason you would even think about believing that from a politician is maybe because it was the party that you belong to. Maybe that's why, because no one took, would take that seriously coming from a Democrat. They can't spend, borrow, tax, spend enough, ever, ever. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, we heard a lot of talk. We've heard a lot of talk about if we do this, then don't worry. I mean, the goalposts have moved. So, I mean, you can't keep track of them. They've moved right. so fast. It's a thousand-yard field now. But uh, so back to Victor David Sanson. I, I gave you a little bit of the laws are not necessarily binding anymore. The other part of that is 
when you look back last summer. Some, some rioters are prosecuted for violating federal laws. Others are not. Arrests, prosecutions, and trials seem to be all fluid. Ideology governs when law is still considered a law. And that's well said. Ideology governs when a law is still considered a law. Crime rates do not necessarily matter. If someone's carjacked, assaulted, or shot, it can be understood to be as much the victim's fault as the perpetrator's. Either the victim was too lax, uncaring, insensitive, or he provoked the attacker. How useful the crime is to the larger agendas of the left determines whether a victim is really a victim. And the victimizer is really a victimizer. Number three, racialism is now acceptable. This is what we talked about with Daniel Greenfield. Um, And I got a lot of great response, by the way, from his interview. He was fantastic about how we're racialized, the left racializing everything, including legislation, the filibuster, and everything, and you and me, and everything else. Uh, We'll get back to this when we get back. Live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in on a Thursday night. More to do. We're back right after this. Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. So I just want to finish up on um, Victor Davis Hansen's 10 things that are ruining America here, because I think this is really good. Number three, racialism is now acceptable. We are defined first by our ethnicity or religion, and only secondarily, if all, if at all, by American commonality. The explicit exclusion of whites from college dorms, safe spaces, and federal aid programs is now non-controversial. It is unspoken payback for perceived past sins, or it's a type of quote-unquote good racism. Falsely being called a racist makes one more guilty than falsely calling someone else a racist. Number four, The immigrant is mostly preferable to the citizen. Yeah, we're seeing that right now on the border, aren't we? I mean, we just talked about it all show. The newcomer, unlike the host, is not stained by the sins. Well, this is an interesting way to think about it. The newcomer, unlike the host, is not stained by the sins of America's founding and history. Most citizens currently must follow quarantine rules and social distancing, stay out of school, and obey all laws. Yet, those entering the United States illegally need not follow such apparently super... uh, uh, See, here's the word that I I cannot say. (laughs) Superfluous? Superfluous. Superfluous. There you go. Uh, (laughs) COVID-19 rules. Their children should be immediately schooled without worry of quarantine. We just played the clip from Saki. Immigrants need not worry about their uh, illegal entry or residence in America. Our elites believe that illegal entrants more closely resemble the founders than do the legal citizens, about half of whom they consider irredeemable. And boy, isn't that one the absolute through and through truth of what we're seeing right now? 
Deplorable, I believe, was the uh, first term they coined for it. The immigrant is mostly preferable to the citizen. Number five, most Americans should be treated as we would treat little children. They cannot be asked to provide an ID to vote. Noble lies by our elites about COVID-19 rules are necessary to protect Neanderthals from themselves. Americans deserve relief from the stress of grades, standardized testing, and normative rules of school behavior. They are still clueless about why it is good for them to pay far more for their gasoline, heating, and air conditioning. Number six, hypocrisy is passe. Virtue signaling is alive. Climate change activists fly on private jets. Social justice warriors <laughs> live in gated communities. Multi-billionaire elitists pose as victims of sexism, racism, and homophobia. The elite need these exemptions to help the helpless. What matters is what you say to lessers to lesser others about how to live, not how you yourself live. And boy, isn't that one right on the money. And he goes on here, 7, 8, 9, 10, 7 is ignoring or perpetuating homelessness. It's preferable to ending it. It is more humane to let thousands of homeless people live, eat, defecate, and use drugs on public streets and sidewalks than it is to green light affordable housing, mandate hospitalization for the mentally ill, and create sufficient public shelter areas. Number eight, McCarthyism is now good. Destroying lives and careers for incorrect thoughts save more lives and careers. Cancel culture or the Twitter reign of terror provide needed deterrence. Now that Americans know they are the one wrong word or look away from losing their livelihoods, they're more careful and will behave in a more enlightened fashion. The social media guillotine is the humane scientific tool of the woke. Number nine, ignorance is preferable to knowledge. Neither statue toppling nor name changing nor the 1619 project requires any evidence or historical knowledge. Heroes of the past were simple constructs. Undergraduate, graduate, and professional degrees reflect credentials, not knowledge. The brand, not what created it, is all that matters today. And number 10, wokeness is the new religion, growing faster and larger than Christianity. Its priesthood outnumbers the clergy and exercises far more power Silicon Valley is the new Vatican. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are the new Gospels. Americans privately fear these rules while publicly appearing to accept them. They still could be um, transitory and invite a reaction, or they are already near permanent and institutionalized. The answer determines whether a uh, constitutional republic continues as once envisioned or warps into something never imagined by those who created it. And I hate to say this, but I believe it's more the latter, becoming that very quickly. I think it's we're warping into something, and again, only 60-something days in, most of this stuff hasn't even taken a foot yet. We're warping into something that I believe the founders never would have imagined. I don't think they ever would have imagined. No way. An all-powerful <laughs> all central government 
I believe. Well, can I pop in for a second? Uh, well, I'm sure. I mean, I know I don't know. I, I just don't. I think they did envision it. You know, if you if you look at how they constructed it, they went back through the Calvinist era. They went back through is every bit of history. The the amount of research they did, they saw that all governments centralized power and they created more power and they made their your judicial system favor their elite power um kind of like what we have in the supreme court now the supreme court basically rules on itself we see how it constantly protects its itself like it, it's you know it it, it, it it's designed to kind of keep itself intact at all times uh, i think they saw this coming and they knew it would come and they, I think they did a phenomenal job staving off tyranny for such a long stretch of time, is what I think. I think they knew this was inevitable. Power constantly collects and colludes and rises up into monolithic form. And they knew, I think they knew it was coming. I just think that the Constitution did such a good job staving it off for 200-plus years. You know, I think this was inevitable. And now it's really up to us. Somewhere, we have to do something because the kids below us think it's normal to be ruled and led and owned. This, they're conditioned. It's it's us who have to do something. I mean, I'm seeing these people writing these. That every state has their own group now to pummel their elected officials in letters, and and I'm trying to learn a little bit more about it. And a lot of people in our groups are really active. And once I learn more about it, I'd like to be able to report on it to help support what they're trying to do. Well, what you say about the kids, I think, is 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 right on. The next generation, besides the, the, as we talked about the debt and, and the idea of, as parents, you raise your kids and um, all you can do is think about, I mean, you think about your kids all the time, their safety, their future, making sure you try to teach them the lessons they need to grow up. But yet you never think of their future. Well, I think a lot, maybe some of us do. You never think of your kids' safety and future in the terms of um, an overreaching, centralized, ever-powerful government that can reach into every part of their lives, number one. But number two, a generation here that's going to leave them with a... With liabilities and with a national debt in a in a functioning government that they will never be able to pay their way out of, and how that will affect their lives in a way that I guess you could say I don't know we we really can't control. You know? Yeah, that's a, I I I think what do we hear from um was it. Did Jefferson say it that every generation, I mean, every generation is two generations away from losing its liberty? And that's really what we talked about. Like, you know, it was warned in the 80s. How many times we hear people talking about that the way they'll take down America is by just slowly pervading the mindset through academia, through media. You know, and it's happened. I mean, yeah. we've watched it happen. We've watched this. And when my kid, when I saw the George Floyd thing happen, and I thought it was going to be a rallying cry for the world to get together uh, and all unite, um, you know, hopefully unite. And I watched the media completely manipulate what we all truly felt that was absolutely 
heinous watching a man get suffocated to death. I don't care what George Floyd's past was because obviously he's it's been checking enough with drugs and, and trouble. Uh, but that means nothing to me at that point. At that point, what mattered to me was unite. And it was so easy for them to manipulate us against one another. And it really was the ultimate tactic of the Marxists who constantly used divide and conquer. And they used uh, really classes, but classes here were too close. And even the poor people here lived pretty good. So they had to create it between races and between genders and between sexual preferences. And it had to be done in a different manner. And it was done in a different manner. It successfully happened. But you see people out there. Most people know things are wrong instinctively. And I think that, you know, there's going to be a, a counterculture. And I think we can rise above all this. I do believe that. I, I believe it's possible. We really do have to stop calling each other names and conspiracy theorists and labels. And we have to talk and listen and think. And, and you also got to use common sense. If, yeah. if somebody's telling you something and you know it's wrong, I'm sorry. It, you know what? You can't just be quiet and, and just walk away. You got to call it out and and let them know they're the wacko. They're the problem that, that the way they think is not normal. You know, just, just, just walking away. I understand it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get into some, something with somebody, you know what? Those times have passed. They don't play by those rules. I mean, any more evidence, just look at the, the democratic party. They don't play by those rules. And you have the weak-kneed Republicans go, well, if we're just nice to them, we'll get along. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. So you have to point it out. And you have to make it to—I think you got to make it to the point where you're ridiculing them to think that, really, you think that way? You think that throwing a child over a wall is, is humane? Way to go, Jen Psaki. No, you got to point it out, and you got to ridicule them. I think it's time we start to kind of flip the mirror back on them— and let them see that you're the one that's the problem. Yeah, man. Not us. I can't tell you how many times when people tell me that, you know, they believe that their side is benevolent. I just say, grow up. Buddy, you got to grow up. They're like, grow up. And, you know, it's just so insulting. But at the same time, it's like, I'm just trying to help you, man. You got to grow up. Yeah. The government doesn't care about you. They care about survival and reelection. And power. Yeah, self, 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 power just never stops corrupting and it always has. I mean, I got a, I got a Hollywood buddy who uh, swears worst thing that ever happened to Hollywood is that once you have money and fame, you think you have power, you become a jackass. All right, we'll do some more sports. Maybe get into crazy town when we get back, wrap it up for the week. Remember, we're off tomorrow night. This show will replay tomorrow night. On Good Friday, as we head for the Easter break, and we'll be back on Monday night. All right, sports, when we get back, right after this.
right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do some sports with Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, Paul, you got your wish. The Islanders did hold on and win 8-4 to four over the Capitals. Matt Barzell with the hat trick. Three goals and two assists for Matt. And uh, Jordan Ebley had two goals and an assist as well. Islanders go on to beat the Caps in a good game. Big game, <laughs> Congratulations Big to Rick Amorati for not spudding. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's bet on the game. Uh, my shirt will stay clean. Yeah, and no uh, lightning over the Blue Jackets, 3-2. That's a final. Penguins over the Bruins, 4-1 final. And Canadians over the Senators, late third, 4-1. Rangers, 3-2 over the Buffalo Sabres in overtime. And Red Wings and Panthers, 2-2 heading to OT. Stars over the Predators, 2-1 third. And Hurricanes, Blackhawks, nodded at one in the second. NBA action, Philadelphia 76ers over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sixes shake, baby shake, Milton with 26 points to lead all scorers. 114-94 Sixes with the win. And uh, Pistons over the Wizards, 120-91. The Nets on a roll, 100-82 over the Hornets. Right now, the Pelicans lead the Magic, 70-69. That's in the third. Uh, Warriors and Heat uh, tied at 65. Third, and uh, right now the Spurs trail the Hawks 54-48 at the half. Hey, I got a poll for you guys. Yahoo Sports poll. Half of Americans won't attain, attend games yet. Jay Busby. This is from Jay Busby, Yahoo Sports. Uh, asked whether they would attend the game with fans in attendance. 51% of respondents said no. The yes response is split almost equally between full stadium, 14%, and limited capacity, 13%. With the remaining 21%, well having coffee and donuts. Overall, men were somewhat more likely to support the idea of attending games. 42% of males said they would not attend the game yet, while 60% of females said it's still too soon. Sharp divergences were also apparent in the choice of 2020 presidential candidate. Only 6% of Biden voters would be willing to attend games in full stadiums, while 31% of Trump voters would be. Would be. And 77% of Biden, Biden voters, if there were any, said it is too soon to attend games. Less than half that number, 34% of Trump voters, believe it's too early. Again, there's a sharp divide by 2020 voting preference among Biden voters. 84% believe vaccinations should be required, while only 24% of Trump voters feel the same way. Uh, pandemic or no, crowds are being invited back into stadiums. The Texas Rangers intend to begin the baseball season with a full house. And the NFL said earlier this week that it plans to have stadiums at capacity by the fall. The poll was part of an overall online survey on vaccination conducted by YouGov for Yahoo News from March 22nd to the 25th. So that's a pool, pool about filling stadiums or not. Uh, and Michigan's Juwan Howard named AP College Coach of the Year. Howard was named the AP Press Men's College Coach of the Year, receiving 35 of 63 votes. Uh, Gonzaga's Mark Few was second with 16, and Baylor's Scott Drew and Alabama's Nate Oates each received five. Iowa Hawkeyes' Luke Garza, well-deserved named AP Men's College Basketball Player of the Year. He was the runaway choice for the award announced today, receiving 50 of 63 votes from AP Top 25 voters. Garza, a senior, ranked nationally by averaging 24.1 points and 8.7 rebounds, and that is he ranked second nationally. So, uh, great job by Garza. He's got a great NBA career ahead of him. And last but not least, we, we are heading into the Final Four weekend. Just want to talk a little bit about March Madness and uh, Yahoo Sports, AP. 
NCAA March Madness betting roundup. Gonzaga's title odds are ridiculously low into Final Four from Frank Schwab. When you see minus 225 odds next to anything, it's not exactly a lock, but close. Gonzaga's run through the first four rounds of the NCAA Men's Tournament has been rough on sportsbooks, considering the Bulldogs have gotten away, gotten heavy public action and covered in every single game. Gonzaga is also the biggest liability for BetMGM and future bets for the NCAA Championship. If you still want a piece of the Gonzaga betting wagon, it's going to cost you. Gonzaga is a 225, minus 225 to win the championship with two games to play. Um, Gonzaga had been getting plus odds all season until Tuesday night when the odds took a significant dive after the Bulldogs' blowout win against USC. Bale is plus 375, D, in case you're interested. And Houston is plus 600. And UCLA, guess what they are? Uh, UCLA is plus 2,800. Very good, D. Plus 2,500. And uh, that's a wrap in sports. Enjoy the games. Have a great Easter, everyone. See you Monday night. We're going to have March Madness in the NCAA Championship game to report on. Looking forward to it. All right, very good. Uh, a couple crazy towns here. Biden has assembled a, uh, the super infrastructure team. Let's, uh, let's see what this team looks like. Roll it, G. This is the first uh, in American history to cabinet looks like America. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but we're among the quickest formed of all cabinet members being, uh, being uh, put in place. I laid out my vision for rebuilding America and America with the America's Jobs Program. Today, I'm announcing that I'm asking five cabinet members to take special responsibility to explain the plan to the American public these five members will be Pete Buttigieg, Jennifer Granholm, <laughs> Marsha Fudge, Marty Walsh, and Gina Raimondo. And uh, I think uh, I want to thank them in advance. And, uh, and one of those other things, uh, our administration, is a commitment to uh, buy America. And now uh, we've got a lot of business to do and get done. And I thank the press for being here, but talk to you all later. Good God. Good God. Good God. He said this is a uh, first, he's, what did he say in the beginning? This is a cabinet that looks like America. Yeah. Oh, God. Boy. It's too bad. It'd be nice if we could get a, a cabinet that maybe would uh, like think like America or like govern for America or be like America or be for America. How about that? That might be more important than one that looks like America. I, I like the fact that he's tasked these five people, including people um, <laughs> with, with the with the idea with with the with the job of that was a good impersonation, also, dude. Talking about it, not doing it, not having like you know some responsibility of pulling this program together. Talking about it because obviously he no national can't. conversation, right? He can't do it. All right, he one more. Uh, press briefing room, Jen Saki time in the uh, crazy town. Roll it. All right, listen up. Good after. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whatever. And we applaud the Biden administration for making infrastructure a top priority. Um, sorry, two more short items. Uh, with, and uh, <laughs> we have a little chart. Maybe we can pull up on the screen here. Hopefully, we'll we'll cue it to come up uh, just to show. Uh, was it up before? Well, we'll bring it up again because it's a relevant one for people to take a look at. <laughs> As you can see, through about um, you know 2015 or 
right before then. Um, uh, so we are um, Look looking forward to that. Uh, we have been assured that we, uh, under the um, uh, uh, this um, uh, this plant has not been FDA approved, um, uh, and uh, uh, maybe they don't believe we should pay for it. If so, they should say that. Uh, as you noted, uh, 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 on we're doing in a way that meets the moment <laughs> so and uh, meets the moment of the needs for a once-in-a-century investment. Uh, they will be in charge of. Sorry to combine the things. They will be in charge of. Uh, uh, there's naturally still ongoing discussions about um, the final pieces of the package. Um, you know, he does believe um, that um, that it is. Um, oh. so I just oh think God. for clarity Good. purposes, God you know, and a lot of people know, but uh, eliminating salt obviously is a, is a revenue, not a revenue uh, raiser, um, and it is something that either would have to be paid for or not, but um, Super our fluous. focus remains on <laughs> vaccinating uh, the adult uh, American, adult, adult Americans uh, in this country. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get too far ahead down the rabbit hole. He is definitely considering giving a joint a joint session address. I can't wait till we finally announce this because I know you all really want to date. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. We can't wait either. Wow. Those two are made for The only other. thing missing there, G, is the, the thumbs down should have gone 4,500. It should have kept scrolling, <laughs> scrolling up throughout. Could have hit 100,000 by the end of it. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the show. Thank you. Thanks, She. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, the live from Studio 6B audience. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Easter, everybody who's celebrating. Easter. Enjoy it. We will see you Monday night live, 8 p.m. for Gonzaga and Baylor. We'll see you then.